Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Joshua Young Podcast. My guest today is Micah Donahue, and I'm super jazzed to have Micah on the show. Welcome to the show, Micah. Hey, how's it going, Josh? It's going quite well. I'm yeah. so excited to have you on the show to talk about what I would call self-expression and entrepreneurship, two things that I think you do extremely well. And we'll dive in more to kind of the nitty-gritties of what each of those look like for you in your current uh, day-to-day life. Um, but I just want to say I've admired you from afar, and I've always enjoyed our times connecting with you as we've been able to kind of operate in similar circles in Billings, Montana, and you've always been a person of uh, high class and tact, and uh, your ability to create markets and express yourself with uh, uh, work that you actually want to do has been absolutely phenomenal, very inspirational. Wow, I really I really appreciate that. <laughs> that means a lot, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm curious for you, um, if you want to kind of give people uh, an update on what's going on in your life, what's been the last few two to 12 months look like for you in life? Yeah, two to 12 months. Um, man, so we moved over to the Seattle area almost two years ago now, or it has been over two years, I think. Um, so we've just been in full on panorama mode. We have this thing going around where we don't call it a pandemic anymore. Um, we'll call it every other word that starts with a P. Um, so it's a panorama, <laughs> picnic basket, um, anything you can think of. <laughs> so since we're in the middle of Paisley, it's been really difficult to, uh, <laughs> we take it very seriously here and it's been, it's been a little bit isolated. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but, um, if anything, it's it's helped me have a lot more time to do the things that I that I usually do, um, which is just you know trying to do the business and 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 uh, the different things like that. So I've actually been I've been doing uh, leather uh, work now. Um, when I knew you back in the day, I think I was doing one shot pendants. Was that? Mm-hmm. Did you yeah, see that? Correct. Yeah. So that was a. A little jewelry thing I did, then I did some t-shirt printing, but now I'm actually kind of how, how you were saying of like doing what makes you happy. I, I'm doing something that I actually have a bit of a passion for and, and isn't just, you know, I was too caught up in the business side and didn't bring any passion in. And when you have to work as hard as you do to make stuff like this work, you have to enjoy it and you have to really care about it and you have to honor that at all times or else... I mean, over time, it just, it does bring you out, you know, I think that's part of it. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. The amount yeah, of last two months, uh, go ahead. No, please continue. Yeah. Uh, last two months have just been uh, mainly leather. I started up on TikTok, um, leather, but make it fashion. So I, uh, my main goal is to make fashion inspired harnesses. So I want to bring harnesses out of this kind of world that they're in and make them a little bit more into accessories. And then um, I want to do some things with my art on the side of leather pieces as well, built into harnesses, get into some embossing and try to kind of approach the high fashion accessory area where accessories don't need to be so, you know, perfectly formal and make all this sense they can have a little bit more of that edge to it and I want to do that with leather because um, I feel there's such a there's just such a stigma around it yeah that makes so, sense uh, yeah cool thanks for the the catch-up I'm curious for you yeah. when you say that you're finally doing something that you're passionate about. I totally understand that. As you mentioned, the amount of effort that it takes to actually succeed in entrepreneurship, if especially long term, is a, is an incredible amount of work. And if that's not where you see yourself long term, um, it just it, it kind of wears on the soul as you're understanding that you're putting 12 to 16 hours into something that you're like, I don't know if I want to do this next year. 
had a, a similar experience when I was running my own catering company. I loved the process, like in the moment, but I'm like, I don't want to do this when I'm in my thirties. Like, and I knew that then. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, the constants of it and, and how often you, um, how often you, you are handling some aspect of it because there is such a clean, there's such a clean separation when you leave work. And I never really fully appreciated it, that I could just walk out the door, close it, lock it, and be done with work. But, you know, working from home, it does it does come with you a little bit. But I think I'm also, I need to be gentle with myself on that because we've been, everything's been closed down. Like, we're, we're still at restaurant closures. I think restaurant can have 25% capacity outside seating. That's still where we're at. No indoor seating, no indoor coffee shops, nothing. Um, so I think, you know, once I, once I'm able to stretch my legs a little bit, I'll, I'll be okay with working from home more, but, um, but yeah, you're right. You have to, you have to really enjoy it because, you know, you handle every aspect of the process. So. Well, certainly. Yeah. How did you get into leather work? Yeah, leather, um, so I just made something like a year and a half ago, uh, for my partner and honestly just left it. Like it was just kind of a fun thing that I wanted to experiment with. And I've been for the life of me trying to remember how I got back onto this path because I feel like there's such meaningful little tiny things that happen that just cause, um, the, the overall path you go on to. But I just wanted to start getting back into it, and and then I and then the TikToks was a totally random thing. I was just like, oh, I'm gonna dye some shoes. It'd be it'd be cool to make a video and see how they turn out, you know, on the front side and the back side. So I did a video of some shoes, and then I did a couple more, and then I finally did one of me um, wearing them, and and um, it re went really well. But um, the leather, I don't know. I just I just got back into making it and it was still business and doing what I wanted, but it was so freeing in that, like, I love the, the tactile creation. I love the being able to work with your hands and see a product, you know, come all the way through and, and see that development. You can bring something to life. You can transform something from, from literally a patch to some intricate, colorful, metal shiny gorgeous creation that is just something that has never existed before and i just kind of kept doing that and got addicted to that process and started to let go even more of the design restrictions that i was putting on myself and just making stuff that was off the wall and it was just it's fun it's really just fun and i haven't really enjoyed um you know something like that for a long time and in this in this limited case, I would say it's it's art first, and then actually the entrepreneurial side. Whereas everything else I've done before was entrepreneurial leading, and it was the smartest and most cost effective, and everything like that. I have, I'm not making the most money from this as I've done from past and th things, but you know I do I do enjoy it over things that I've done in the past. So, yeah. mm -hmm. I think that's a, a fair concept where. And ever every endeavor, you kind of need to have the art and the entrepreneurship, and whatever comes naturally to you, you probably need to do the opposite of prioritizing. Because it's like if you're an artist who's great at making art, but you don't know how to sell it, you're not going to go very far. And so you need to focus more on the entrepreneurial side. But if you're naturally good at just selling and hustling and like buying and seeing the cost margins, it's like, well, you probably need to focus more on the art side so you actually have a long term happiness. Yeah. Yeah, because what else is that? I mean, if anything, if anything is primarily different, and the reason I'm honestly kind of stumbling over my words, I apologize, is because your first question is like, the last, you know, two, three months have been really about my spirituality and figuring that out. And I've have, like you said, stepped away from the, from the business side. Um, and I've been going through like a lot of, Hard times too, of course, and mental like things that I'm trying to overcome from from 
the world that we live in, you know, and the craziness that it is every day. Um, I turned, actually turned 23 this month. And so having to go through all this stuff at this time, it's been, um, I guess it's just been really introspective. So <laughs> yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. You gotta, you gotta see what you're good at. And then, and then there's no options, but to wear every hat, which I think is the hardest thing of entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial endeavors for me anyways, is definitely just like having to, to switch gears so much. Is there a gear that you find to be the most challenging to switch to when trying to run your own hustle? Well, what, so on the, on the artist and business side, what's your, how do you differentiate those in your mind? Because I used to have that figured out just so I can, I can, I can move into that because like, there's so much creativity in, in, in every aspect you have to have when you're, there's something you do. Um, how do I say this? Sorry. When you run a business, there's, you just have to, to, to wing so many things. If you're already in a pre-established business with a job, there's protocol for everything. Mm-hmm. Where's the, where's the separation of business and creative, I guess, for you in entrepreneurial, in entrepreneurialism when, when everything you just have to create everything like how do you how do you build those structures i guess the hardest part for me has been has been maintaining structure because i'm creative and the art's fine and then i get into business and it's so you know unformed anyways that i have to be creative over there and i can't get very consistent because I'm still trying to apply the creativity because I don't already have and, and ways for things to go. Um, so I guess, I don't know, the most difficult would be consistency on, on the business end. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's a fair answer. It's a, one of those, like, you have to be a good boss and a good employee at the same time, where you create the yeah. structures and then you have to actually follow through on those structures on a regular basis. And uh, for yeah. me, that's kind of the the point that I find it's one like it's not challenging because it, you have to do it. There's no other person to do it, but it's not as exciting yeah. as creating that structure or creating the, um, the business branding, if you will. Yeah. And to use the creative creativity, create the repeatable structure instead of just figuring out how to do it every time. Yeah, because you get into it because it's creative, but then there's always going to be a point of that just grind that needs to happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's an unfortunate thing for artists. It's when you make something new. <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's a necessary poison, though, that you must take in order to become better. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think a, a superpower is creating small variation. Mm. You know, ways we can be consistent but still not only keep it interesting for ourselves, but I think our brain handles so much. Our brain handles it so much better if we are in a situation we can repeat, but we're not ultimately to get stuck in those habits. Like, there's just enough change to always keep us from the route. Because I think that's so poisonous, especially for entrepreneurial and when you have to wear all the hats and switch gears and like even more so you cannot get in this little channel and deeper and deeper and deeper. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It seems like you've done a good job of finding new ways to experiment with the different projects. Um, I'm kind of curious. I just want to hear your thoughts. But from like my perspective, you were producing one shot pendants years ago which was creating jewelry out of the brass from uh, guns and then like a giant Instagram following that you created through that and then um, t-shirt business. And then now when you're doing leather, but make it fashion is more uh, TikTok focused. How do you manage like why like you did, you're doing leather, but make it fashion with um, 
TikTok, why, why not do also Instagram with that? I assume that was a conscious choice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so whenever, whenever I'm, I'm trying to decide what social media platform I want to pursue something on, there's a saying on, there's a saying on TikTok because TikTok is so people driven. If the people like it, you can, you can get a ridiculous amount of views in hours. If they don't, you will get 30 and not a single one more. They will not comment. There is no love. There is nothing. Nothing. It's so stark. So, you know, with TikTok as that example, I think when we log on to... So when you go to download an app, right? You're downloading that app. You already have Instagram installed. So why did you download TikTok? Uh, personally, it was probably because Gary Vee just kept yelling about it. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That was more of a, of a you know, entrepreneurial driven, which I've done a lot too. And I think that's like something we need to kind of watch out for because, okay, so one, one that you have like personally that you enjoy, why did you download it in the first place? Uh, to get I like, a, yeah. Uh, so like the last app that I downloaded would be a one that teaches me how to program better in Python language. And it was just like, okay. I wanted something to do before I went to bed where I wasn't like on my computer, but I wanted to like continue mm -hmm. to pursue that learning right before closing my eyes. And that was like the yeah. perfect, perfect uh, so function. Super, yeah, absolutely. And the specificity of that intention, I think, holds through, even if it seems odd, right? You wanted to learn how to code, right? So that's that's specific, but... We have an intention, even even if it's a time frame we're going to watch it, if it's type of you know thing we want to go after. So when I'm when I'm stepping into a new social media, I I step in as the consumer. So like the saying on TikTok, you make ads, you have to make TikToks. Otherwise, that disparity will show so clearly. You cannot make ads on TikTok; they don't work. Because the only reason it goes is because the next person abuses it and shares it. So it's kind of the same thing. Like you couldn't go into, you know, that app that somebody's specifically there for something. And not necessarily as, as specific as a topic, right? Like you wouldn't go into coding content and make cooking content because that's okay. But if you went into um, Reddit and started posting really elaborate long format videos... They wouldn't, you know, Reddit is about the threads. So if I'm going to go into Reddit, I'm going to speak like someone on Reddit. I'm going to act like someone on Reddit. I'm not going to give full sentences. I'm not going to, you know, like fully explain the concept because that's how the thread goes through. Same with Twitter. I'm terrible at Twitter because people can just say like jackfruit on Twitter and it gets like 12,000 likes. I don't know how to do I need to show you a video. I need to talk to you. I need to explain something. I can't just be like, the sun is out. And like do that with any sort of, of grace, I think. So again, just like going to the platform that you know you can make that type of content really well. And it fits with your thing. It's not even about what's the hottest or what's, you know, it's because I can make that style of video with the transitions like i make tiktoks i just i do trends i just go with it because what i'm doing you know i'm able to wear what i create and show off outfits so it's really easy to convert that but if i was going into instagram and why i haven't is because i know that instagram now is really nice clean high resolution photos in elaborate sets really you know monochromatic striking colors right those are kind of the things you imagine when you see instagram and i don't i know i don't have the means to create that so anything i do on instagram would automatically be half-assed until i do have those means does that make sense i think that makes a but lot since of sense I'm TikTok, you can use a three megapixel camera i'm okay on the means for that so yeah it's, that's that's why i chose tiktok for this cool that's uh super helpful for me even in my own Instagram and like understanding of the different platforms. So I appreciate your insight. Yeah. 
Yeah. How did you guys go about the um, catering company? I'm curious about that. Uh, so catering company, a lot of, um, yeah. So Instagram was fantastic for that as when we did tasting dinners, so we would do between five and seven course tasting dinners about four times a year. And whenever we had those, we had professional photographers come and take photos of the entire event. And that played really well, um, simply because it was very theatrical. We spent a lot of time, like we did upper class gourmet catering. So our plating was always on point. We were using micro greens. We were using different sauces around the edges of plates. Um, like I drew out what the food was going to look like before I started plating it. I mean, before I started cooking it, I knew what that food was going to look like. And we'd wow. get edible flowers from local, local gardeners and use that. And so as you're talking about, like it played very well onto onto the, the polishedness that you needed to have for Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys probably drive there. Or how did that go? How did yeah. it end up going? Yeah, it went very well. Yeah. Yeah, so you're already, yeah, you're already doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's the funny thing, funniest thing about talking with entrepreneurial-minded people is like, we all do the same shit. We just call it different things because we learned it from someone else or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, back to your comment on TikTok. I have found it to be pretty incredible how there's like five things that if you get just one of them right on TikTok, your video is going to do well. Like mm -hmm. it can be a good sound. It could be good choreography. It could just be something funny happening. It could be an inside joke. For me, I've gotten a lot of stuff that's gone viral simply from posting something then the internet makes fun of me for it. I don't understand what's going on. And that creates this giant rise out of people because they're like, ah, he doesn't get it. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. yeah, it's, that's honestly, I've answered, I've directly answered comments before where somebody comes back and they're like, you know, they were dissing you. Right. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I thought they were, and I like, They'll like ask a question sarcastically and I'll just answer it. I'm like that dumb that I'm just like, oh yeah, sure. I'll help you with that. Oh no, you're making fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, in my perspective, I'm just going to keep doing that because it keeps the negativity off. They gave me a view, a comment, and then they come back to it and watch it again. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'm cool with that. <laughs> If it's not like the majority, yeah, absolutely. That's great. People can get a little bit nasty on there when they when they start to group up. So it's a little bit scary at times. You feel like you're on the edge of judgment. But and you're always being judged. It's good. It helps thicken yeah, you up. Like, I got I got really in a good spot because the people that ended up following me are just really I I landed in a really encouraging pocket. People are really nice to my stuff. Um, there's a couple mean people, and then we like everybody just jumps on them. They all work together to like defend me. It's great. I don't know how it happened. That that's more of a you know. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's controllable, but I'm really thankful that. Happened. That's awesome. That seems really good for your mental health. It's it's helpful to have the support, yeah, especially in you know the panorama. Yeah, the panorama. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, uh, I'm curious for you. On, I would like to dive into like your own personal self-expression. Oh. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I see like you're wearing nail polish on your hands. I had a Scott Flam yesterday on the podcast, and he talked about like how he started wearing like makeup and eyeshadow and stuff like that and like how his like yeah. expression was and uh, kind of the consensus is like for me and I think for a lot of people is the for men who can like pull off a lot more what was traditionally considered feminine there's a so much respect for those people and yet every single person who has had to go to a point of doing that has had to get over kind of the same hurdles of like what is judgment going to look like like what what matters what doesn't why am i doing this and uh i know like you know for 
years ago when I got to meet you, you're like one of the most stylish people I've ever met. Like you would come over to me and like, like teach me like how to adjust my cuffs on my shirt and be like, now that looks fantastic and so great. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what part of it exactly do you want to, like, there's, there's some, yeah. Well, sir, maybe as more to the beginning as we possibly can. When did you start uh, spending more energy, like expressing yourself um, through your fashion, through your wardrobe, through yeah. whatever? Like, was that like, were you seven years old and that was just like a naturally thing or did it come later on in life? Yeah, there's some mixed factors. So it definitely started early. The first time I wore a bow tie, I was like seven. But they, I, and you know, it could have been just my, my parents being like, oh, you look so good. But they were, they were, they told me how clearly I perpetuated it. I was like, yeah, that my first double breasted suit, I was like seven and it was like, it was atrocious, double breasted peak lapels, like this terrible gray that only a banker, would wear. only a banker. But you know, that's what I wanted to wear when I was seven. So it started with. It started with suits and ties, um, and then that kind of developed through my whole childhood because I was just the guy that dressed up, um, and I was just used to that. So I was used to, you know, and I would get, like, silly little best-dressed awards in our church and, and, you know, fun little stuff like that, but... Um, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I was a lot more of an extrovert back then. And it was just like a way, a way that I could express myself. Um, I grew up in a very rigid church. And so there was very little self-expression. We couldn't really, you know, uh, hang out too much with worldly people. Um, so I think there was a little bit of rebellion tied into. Um, and then there was a little bit of identity stuff that I wasn't ready for until like, honestly, this last year. But I, with the suits, I don't know. And then I, and then I got into men's warehouse, uh, when I was like 15, 16, I think is when I was working there. And that was great. Cause I could wear suits to work. And then I could wear suits outside of work because I had gone to work. And so it was okay because I worked to work. So it wasn't weird to wear, you know, a suit. <laughs> I, I struggled with being like overdressed a lot. And so I had to come up with excuses. Oh no, I just came from this. That's why I'm, I'm still wearing this. I could have changed. I had like an hour in between, but I just, I liked, it was, clothes are so boring most of the time. I think I'm just saying a lot of words to say that. Yep. Clothes are so <laughs> boring most of the time. And what does it matter? Because most of the people that see us, we will never see again. And that's, that's it. So if your shirt can either be like, you know, we're, we're both wearing black shirts in this case, but you know, this is, this is a very terrible day. I'm in a hoodie, of course. But, um, if, if we can wear one thing, why can't we wear another? You know, if we can wear a dress up, why can't we wear a suit? If we can, you know, and then, and then that honestly just perpetuated into my twenties, it started forming into... I really started to take a look at gender norms and get confused by them because gender norms are completely reliant in the time period. And that's it. The time, people's perception in that time period. So I've, I've just got my first pair of heels, which I'm absolutely jazzed about. They're super fun to walk in. I, I wore them for like two hours the other day. You feel taller. You feel powerful. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no way around it. If you're four inches taller instantly, you're going to feel better. If you're wearing like stuff that you just feel incredible in, you're going to feel better. You're going to be more authentic to yourself. And there's been times in history where men couldn't wear heels, where women couldn't wear heels, where certain classes couldn't wear heels, where men couldn't wear makeup, where women couldn't wear makeup, where different classes couldn't wear makeup. And I started to go through each individual thing and like, where did this come from? Where did makeup come from? Why do, why, why do we paint our nails? Why do we, you know, why, why are heels the way they are in different countries? In some countries, they used to wear them because there was too much crap, like literal human crap in the streets that they had to get above it. 
Like there's all sorts of stories about these crazy things. And it's just so it's, you realize that every aspect of fashion is just societal binds. It's societal associations, right? And, and if you look into anything in fashion, it's not about, oh, they look good or bad because of this. It's always, they look like this person. They look like this person. This gives me, this gives me, you know, Chanel circa 2000, whatever. This gives me, um, you know, what you would do in that outfit. It's always, it's always, fashion is always associated emotion. And so I think once you get to that point, it's not about t-shirt and jeans anymore. So, you know, that and I'm, I'm, yeah. Does that, is that, sorry. Yes. No, that's <laughs> exactly it. Yes, there is. I love what you say. Like yeah. fashion is emotion. And I think that's the the point where if you're looking for self-expression, it's you want to evoke different emotions from people. And you're just, as you said, like most clothing is boring and uh, doesn't evoke any emotions from others. Yeah. And uh, as you said, like you're not going to see a lot of people like any of these people that you encounter on a regular basis. But if so if you dress plainly, you your interaction is absolutely null. But if you can dress in a way in which per like makes them happier for seeing you based off of like how you've presented yourself, the confidence that you wear, it, it has a more compounding effect going forward. Yes. In both your and their life. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, again, if people don't like what you're wearing, then that ends the relationship pretty quickly but those people stay away from you anyways it's a nice filter but yeah exactly if 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 somebody that is for you that comes into your space that is gonna you know be positive in your life in any aspect they are going to appreciate whatever form of self-expression you have on and it is going to compound that relationship immediately you know there's been people that i've walked up to you know walking in through somewhere everybody seems the same and there's one, one person dressed that way that I can, that really, they're only dressed that way to me, right? Because then you add in the fact that it's all subjective. But the point is that I can, that I can see that person and I can say, okay, like, this is crazy, but I, I understand you. And we can, we can talk, you know, it's like, it's all that we wear is literally just different badges and, and to, to show the other people that are like us, hey, you're okay with me. Right, mm -hmm. I don't know, and, and then related to the to the who we are as beings in the animal kingdom, like it's just it's how we express ourselves. Everybody does. We all do it the same way, you know. You're safe with me, and then other times, if you come near me, I will eat you because it's what you need to do. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and I I guess I've been avoiding this because I didn't want it to get too political, but I also think gender norms and, and gender expression is a load of is a load of crap in the main society we live in. <clears throat> and I've been called all sorts of things for being or just even even before I wore anything feminine. Um the judgment was so heavy for wearing, you know, totally masculine suits and stuff. And people because I wore it too often or my my pants were cut too like thin, even like little details. I would still wear a men's suit and I'd still, oh, your ankles are too high. That's, that's feminine. That's, are you straight? Are you sure? You know, which I'm not, but like, it's just, yeah. So I, I didn't, I don't know where you're at on that. And if you, you know, are, are, uh, subscribed to the binary theory, I don't, you know, I don't mean to cause anything, but not at all. Uh, I, I love the yeah. fact that you're just willing to express yourself and like even think through your own process out loud. Uh, it's yeah. very, very insightful. Um, it, it benefits me sometimes and ruins me a lot of other things because it kind of makes it seem scattered, <laughs> I feel. But when you're trying to, I feel like that's where you're supposed to be when you're trying to do self-discovery. If you have it all put mm -hmm. together, then it's not self-discovery. It's something you're already aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. Because our brains don't work as uniformly as we all seem to think. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. what's 
fun about like making this a live conversation is just because like we can edit all these things um, to be a little bit more cohesive. But the reality is, is like conversation is scattered. It is all about kind of the back and forth and like, well, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess tying it back to entrepreneurship and having to wear every hat, like that's basically your entire job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you, mm -hmm. Go ahead. as soon as you, uh, conform into like, this is the job that you're supposed to do, or this is the, like who you're supposed to be, you're going to be dead in entrepreneurship. And so probably the ability to express yourself creatively through your own, just wardrobe and through what you put on is going to help build up more creative patterns in your brain. That's going to help in the entrepreneurship altogether. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It directly, it directly helps. Creativity helps creativity. And, and when we kind of let go of, of how rigid everything needs to be because it has to have its place and be organized, the opportunities can also start to cross over. And opportunities we usually would keep over there because that's related to that thing. You know, so you're not allowed to talk to this person and we, we try to keep these structures on things Maybe it's totally a personal style, but I find if I kind of start to blend those aspects of of the business, the opportunities cross pollinate because something you know would work in this capacity, but it would work better in this capacity. But you never go because you don't want to ruin it. You're trying not to, you know, hold everything up. I I guess that's one of the biggest things I learned about entrepreneurship really early is like entrepreneurship. Sorry. And so I was like, man, I cannot keep all this like so perfect and, and held upright. So we're not, we're just not going to try, you know, over like over, you know, too much rigidity and, and too much of a need for control can be really toxic too, because I mean, everything's against you. So you need every little possible opportunity in your space to magnetize towards you. And it needs to work wherever it's going to work. You don't have, you know, we don't have the right to to choose and decide and, you know, be exactly who we, you know, every aspect is going to be exactly how we thought. The only guarantee is that it's not going to work out that way. That's the only guarantee. Is whatever you think in your head, it's going to be something different than that. For sure. Yes, exactly. What? I don't know. <laughs> but... The question I've been asking myself as I've been doing different pursuits is like, okay, I know I'm going to fail at this. Like, if I'm going to start it, that means that I'm going to just have mass failure in this. So, like, am I willing to fail towards this thing? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, great. But if the answer is no, then I'm probably not doing it for some superficial reason. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, if you keep falling forwards towards something and keep getting back up, you're going to cover distance, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a little <laughs> uh, so I'm going to share a couple of stories, but I want you to hear what your responses are. And it's like first time uh, wearing any female clothing and then like first time being in makeup. So for myself, uh, I remember the first time like that I uh, wore any woman's clothing was it was rock star day at my high school as part of our spirit week and uh, uh with the partner that i had like we went out and i found this like at goodwill a giant bright red leather jacket that had a bunch of like fur on it and it was just like an item piece and i put it on I'm like oh this is fantastic and i absolutely loved it um and that was like my first introduction and now i have various other article clothings and hopefully more in the future that i find women's fashion to be just absolutely on point with um and then, like, the first time that I got into makeup was doing a photo shoot for the Billings Montana Rescue Mission. And uh, there was someone who was just like, they're like, oh, we're going to do this entire shoot. And, like, you'd go put on all of these other clothes and, like, had all of the makeup done. And it was amazing the amount of confidence that was brought through just that uh, stepping into a world in which I had no idea about previously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of how big that world is. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my first time um, wearing women's clothes. Mm -hmm. 
It's the first one, yeah. So, yeah. For me, for me, it was a lot slower transition. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, um, I think it was like sweaters. It was a long time ago as well. I think it was like sweaters, and I I started with men's things in the women's section. Does that make sense? So like, I would still get like masculine sweaters and pants, but they'd just be from the women's section. But they would still be cut. You could hardly tell, right? And then they got a little bit. Higher waisted. I guess the I guess the first like women's thing I wore was high waisted jeans. Have you tried those yet? Uh, yeah, I think I have a pair. They're like high waisted American Eagle bell bottom, red pants. Yep. Yeah. High waisted instantly. You just like look at your. You're just like oh. Yeah. Oh that. Oh that's why they. Oh okay. <laughs> and like everything you start to put on, you're like you see immediately what it, what it does for you, and you're like oh that's why they do that. It's not because they're wearing that thing. It's because it makes this look something different. Yeah, it's it was a it was a slow progression. I don't I don't remember the exact beginning. Makeup I do remember because I was really nervous about it. Um, that that's more of like a struggling with sexuality. I think growing up in Billings, Montana, um, which is even hard to like talk about on here because I know this is like a little bit of a Billings network. Um, and I only told my, well, I told my, you know, I talked to my mom about it like a year and a half ago, but I only talked to my, my father about it like four days ago. This is still a very, you know, fresh thing. And, and when, when it is that, you know, the assumption is that you're not totally straight. And I, I kind of let a little mini charge on like, Hey, it doesn't matter. Like if you're straight, you can wear this stuff too. But that kind of kept me acting a way I wasn't, you know, which is totally straight. And so I would, I would, it, cause it's still a different mindset, right? You can, you can come at it from that direction. So it was a little bit different for me because I was like doing it like, Oh, anybody can wear anything, which I still completely believe, but we also have to start to align with our ourselves in whatever capacity um, that is. And I, I think it is all a, all a um a spectrum i don't know I'm, I'm i'm getting off topic <laughs> no that's exactly right i think it's entirely a spectrum and learning how to express yourself to something that makes you personally feel comfortable that's like fuck everyone else's opinion like makes you feel good is an incredible place yeah. to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think the la the the last thing i want like not the last thing but the consequence is so low. Yes. Especially for clothing. Like that's the big deal. It's like there's it's just a it's just a one outfit for one day. For a couple hours. Like that's it. You know? I think that's a really even a funnier thing because, you know, people wear it for an hour or, you know, a day and they get so concerned and wrapped up about it. Like clothing is a very low consequence. Makeup is a very low consequence at this point. But there's other things that I could put out that I, I would never step out in because, we, you know, I wouldn't be caught dead in that. Like, it's deeper than just, oh, I think that looks nice or not. Like, we really have some some real core things to work through in relation to, to what, we're, what we can't wear and what we wear all the time. Like, there's a lot of psychology behind our, our clothing if we're, you know, if we're okay with being, you know, taking that mental inventory. Mm-hmm. Which you have three. to be for entrepreneurship. Yes, a hundred percent. I'll share a quick story. So I went to New York and ate at a restaurant called Mission Chinese, and it was some of the best food I've ever had. This guy uses Szechuan chilies to a way that is profound, where you're eating food and your mouth is going numb, but you just keep eating it, and it's fantastic. But the chef is this Chinese guy who's. Um, beautiful wife, like two incredible kids. And he's like, oh, it's fashion week. I'm going to wear a dress. And he'll be in the kitchen just like in a dress doing it. And I remember like experiencing them. Like, I want to have that confidence. Like, I want to just be like, well, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard when you get like, when you actually get time to, to do it. You know, because also I think when we imagine ourselves in clothing, like that's, 
it's always it's also like an ample consideration of where you're at because he was just in the kitchen like what i didn't realize would be challenging with wearing what i wanted to wear was that i had to go to the grocery store that same day and walking through a grocery store with full makeup and heels is a little bit different than walking to the you know function that you're gonna go do because everybody like that's a that's a hype thing that's like oh you know they they address your confidence and that's so cool maybe a couple people you know but I think what's really telling is about what society thinks about clothing is when everybody doesn't know you that's a <laughs> pretty interesting thought experiment but yeah the confidence at the end I mean it's it's hard. To really wear things that you feel like you're not supposed to because of your entire reality in society, your entire sure. life. What's been the upside of doing that for you? Because it sounds right now like it'd just be horrible. Like, why even go through this, uh, all the the pain of trying to do this? Mm-hmm. The... Yeah, that's a really good question. The benefit of being on the back side of that grocery store visit, I think there's so much in life and we take so we take years and years to learn and relearn and relearn that other people's opinions of us don't matter. That's very difficult to come to <laughs> because it's kind of how we build our entire reality. We're raised by our parents and we're like, okay, so I need your approval to survive and eat and, you know, not die as a biological being. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And that just becomes our reality and our entire life is just, you know, for this person's approval, this person's approval, this person's approval, people that are below us, above us, every, you know, all these station things that we create, all these societal fake things. And it just really draws a stark contrast to that because you notice the type of people that have a problem with it are very rigid. Like just everything they give off in their persona is very, there's, there's no change. There's no dynamics. You don't, and, and you don't really feel bad about it after. I think that's the most beneficial thing is like, it's overcoming fear in a new way because you have a direct fear that's directly linked to your ego which is a whole nother aspect. <laughs> and you have to break it down. You have to look your ego in the face and be like, "There, it doesn't actually matter. These people don't, like, doesn't matter what they think, even if they directly hate it. And it's just freeing. It's so freeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot and of then meanwhile, meanwhile, everybody knows you look good. <laughs> everybody knows you look good. So, like, there, no matter all these people, they're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Everybody, you get this energy around you of like, but they know. They know. <laughs> and it's really nice. I don't know. How have you felt? So, you don't do like, because it's almost like a daily wear thing for me. How much do you wear stuff like that? And how, how have you been? Because I, I also moved to, the Seattle area, and you're still in Billings, Montana. No, I'm What's not. What's that like? So I, I, I busted a move from Billings back in 2018. Um, sold off the company. Ended up traveling okay. for a year. Spent a year I in Austin. After the... mm -mm. Okay. I'm, I'm in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, here with some family. Oh. oh. So I knew you I guys left the country and probably came back after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for my self-expression, like, I work from home, like, everything's very confined. Um, and I'd say, like, I'll wear, like, female jeans out and about, like, that's relatively common to do. Um, I think there's this point of, like, me wanting to, like, go wear dresses and, like, go express myself that way. And I plan on, like, doing that more in the fall. And, like, that's kind of, like, this system where I'm like, okay, this is something that I want to do. I want to have the confidence. I'm like, if I can set myself like a time frame where it seems reasonable to do it, because it's not like a super high priority, but it's definitely like, let's accomplish this thing by the end of the year. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at with it is to try and make that more of just like a, a personal self-expression because all of the reasons that I like 
uh, there's just so many upsides. And as you said, there's so little downsides. Like there's yeah. all of the, there's just all upsides. Yeah. What, yeah. What is it? Though? I mean, how's this? I like found so that many... <laughs> I found that, uh, whenever I've been like shared something vulnerable that someone doesn't like, um, and they dislike it. And then like, there's a rift in our relationship. It's more like, well, we weren't friends in the first place. So it's kind of freeing to both be on the side of like, well, now we kind of understand like why we don't get along. And uh, yeah. I think it almost makes us better for it regardless. I would say so. Because the type of people that want to wear dresses understand dynamic change and not being so confined and all these things. Because it's just a dress. Like, it's just a dress. Yeah. Plenty of men have worn them in all sorts of styles throughout our entire civilizations. We all know that, right? So <laughs> the people that, again, the people you lose are like, thank you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's, you make me a better person in the long run. Mm -hmm. Paving the yeah. way. Well, this is a perfect yeah. transition to the next part of the show, which is uh, awesome. a little show called Overrated, Underrated. And uh, I have five topics that I want to hear from you on overrated or underrated. And the first one is Harry Styles. The reason I ask that is because uh, Harry Styles was on the cover of Vogue magazine last year wearing a dress. And I remember my partner, Scotty, she like saw this and showed me. She's like, oh my God. I'm like, I've never seen you swoon that much in like a very long time. And uh, my my world started opening up. So overrated, he underrated. Oh, so good though. <laughs> he looked so good. Oh, what a hard one to start with. I will still say in the in the scope of things. Oh man. Can we come back to that one? That's a hard <laughs> one. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> People overrate Okay, no, I got I got it. People right. overrate him. People overrate him in some ways and underrate him in others. Like it's hard because like you want to see icons in, in dresses and corsets and harnesses and, you know, to shake it up and you have to overly praise them to even get it on the map. But at the same time, like a bunch of women have worn that dress better. Right. And like, I, you know, the, the, one of the reasons we, we are in the spot we're in is because it's so novelty and it's only novelty right? because there's so much, overrating when it does happen it keeps it as a novelty it keeps it as something that only only rich people can do or only famous people can do and you know there's all sorts of high fashion outfits that those people can wear that we can't because it looks silly when we do and not when 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 they do and so i think it's overrated in that aspect is because i wish it was just like oh they look nice so do they but I realize in practicality, he's still underrated because we have a long ways to go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Perfect I answer. I have a more definite answer on the next one. That's, that's what All right. Next one. H&M, the clothing store. They both sit fast fashion for pretty much anyone who isn't a senior citizen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Overrated. Still, you know, having having shopped there plenty, um, I think it's like a good transition for for people that want to not dress totally normal into the world of fashion. But it's where people stop, and it's overrated for sure. Perfect. And their clothes fall apart. Yeah. Yeah, it's fast fashion, not long fashion. Yep. And you can get stuff for the same price that is quality, too. Where? Yeah. Thrift. Yeah. Sure. And not, like, under right. starting to understand thrift is, is very neat. God. Yeah. It's a, a topic for another time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, one article of clothing we haven't talked about. Uh, crop tops for men. <laughs> I'm wearing one right now. Sorry. <laughs> ah! um, 
<laughs> yeah, this is a crop hoodie. <laughs> so, um, still underrated. Still underrated. <laughs> need need a lot more of those for sure. Because that's that's Great. I mean that's not even a feminine thing. We have to like a feminine or masculine thing. We have to break down. You know, men have had crop tops. It's yeah. I don't yeah. even think that should be a discussion. <laughs> Agreed. That would have saved me so much money growing up when I was just like going through my growth spurt. If that was like something I was comfortable with, it would have just turned my normal right. shirts into crop tops. Gosh. Yeah. Just cut the bottom seam off. And think of all the summer, like think of all like the, the two form fitting t-shirts you've worn and sweated in in the summer. Mm -hmm. That you weren't, you couldn't just, I don't know. This is a fun story. <laughs> I spent like uh, three months doing rehabilitation uh, during a disaster uh, in the Philippines. And it was really common that all of the men would just go around and they'd flip their shirt up halfway because it was so hot. There wasn't any crop tops and it was improper to show nipples in that culture. And so like all of that was pretty modest, but like all of the guys just went around with their shirts flipped up on top of each other. Yeah. Because it was just, it was too warm. Yeah. You just warm. react to it. Yeah. I, I I think, I don't know, I think America is one of the most impractical fashion, because there is some of it that's fashion, but there's also a lot of it, all the things that we started with was from practicality, you know, and there's some, there's like, to, to stay normal, you kind of have to make things really inconvenient as far as fashion, so I don't know. Yeah, no, like... <laughs> Blue jeans is the norm, and it's, like, one of the most uncomfortable things to wear. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> yep. And people, everybody compl complains about buying jeans. Yeah. Like, why are jeans the pant? Everyone complains. They never fit. They shrink. They dye other things. They have, people have trouble with them in every way. And they're the pant, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we we should have moved on by now. <laughs> sure. All right. The black tape modeling. Are you familiar with this? No. Are you saying this? Okay. So this is, uh, you take a nude model and you create, you take electrical tape and then exacto knife it out and then use that as kind of like a tattoo uh, tribal design all over the person's body. Hmm. Yeah, I would be worried about like cultural appropriation if the patterns were wrong. But I, I mean, the only the only thing I I know of is like body paint. Is it similar to that? It would probably be in like the people who would be into this would be into body paint for sure. Yeah, I would say, are we still an underrated, overrated? Yeah, yeah. I would say very underrated still because there's such a fear of of human bodies still. Yeah. Um, I, I, now I don't think all of us should walk around butt naked at all times. And I don't think anybody that thinks nudity shouldn't be such a big deal does think that, but there's such a, I mean, we all have the same body. We all look at it every day. We all see a bear every day, but there's just such, such a, I don't know. There's such a fear around it. Even what, so on, on the line of feminine clothing, I wore a backless shirt the other day. And that's like just show showing skin and and like I'm a I'm a I'm a guy right I'm a guy so I can wear I can walk down the street with no shirt and it'd be fine. But if I were to wear a backless shirt, how do you think that would go? <laughs> Not the same. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Why? I'm showing half. Less of my body. My arms are covered. Why on earth is it worse if I have my back, but not both? People are so weird. I don't know. <laughs> so probably anything to do with like showing skin is probably underrated because of all the hate that it doesn't deserve. Agreed. Uh, I love it. All right, so the last one is something that I think I could only get away with asking people from Montana, and it's elk jerky. 
Elk jerky. I've never had it. You've never had it. Oh, have you had any wild game jerky? No. All right. Uh, I'll come up with... I was offered... Now he doesn't know how to feel about me. <laughs> like, are we still friends? <laughs> I'll, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Elk jerky, dramatically underrated. Simply from the standpoint where it's like going to be it's super tough compared to like beef jerky but the since it's all homemade i don't know of anyone out there that's doing like mass production elk jerky you have like this like artisan blend of spices that's included in it so if you get a chance elk jerky and if i find a friend who's selling back alley elk jerky i'll send some your way micah well i'm i'm vegetarian now oh (laughs) as a for since like a year now but yeah, I we we still like cook meat for people that come over, and it's still all good. But, um, but yeah, I feel like you're definitely right because homemade food is just, you know, I don't know. Think of like tamales. If you had like homemade tamales versus, yeah, there's no there's no comparison any any time. So I would totally agree with you, <laughs> absolutely. That's awesome. All right, uh, so finish this off. I'll let people. I'll let you uh, plug yourself and what people find you if they want to chit chat more with you or see what you're up to. And then I'll have you finish off the show by you get to ask me any single question you want to. Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Leather, but make it fashion on TikTok. leather dot, but make it fashion, um, for all of your, um, screw gender norms, odd accessories and bell bottoms and backless and corsets and, handcuffs needs find me on tiktok (laughs) a good question for you um the worst and best experiences you had dog training (laughs) unless that's too long of a story (laughs) i mean (laughs) i'll say it i will go into it um man all right i'll I'll start with the worst one, and then maybe the best one will be kind of redemptive. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I have a two-year-old pit bull named Tommy Pickles, white pit bull, and he's historically had some aggression issues. Um, I used to work at a kennel in which, like, he'd get into fights, and that was kind of just, like, something that we've been working on. He was bit when he was a puppy by, like, the older dog. That's why they weren't able to keep him anymore. That's how we ended up getting him. And uh, uh, Scotty, my partner, and I were coming home. One day we had Tommy in the car. I went, we like parked the car. Uh, while we like came into our apartment complex, we passed a great Pyrenees dog. And uh, uh, I went to go throw some food away. Scotty went to go put Tommy Pickles into the house. And uh, uh, he ended up bulking through her and like through the door and I could hear her yelling. I knew instantly what he was going to do and it was to charge towards that Great Pyrenees. So I just started sprinting towards the Great Pyrenees and I arrived on the scene two seconds after he had and he had already like latched on to this Great Pyrenees's um, neck. And so I go and I pretty much like tackle him and Scotty, she had recently read this book uh, that's called I'm Fine and Other Lies by Whitney Cummings. And she also has three pit bulls. And she mentions in her book that uh, uh, if you have a pit bull that watches on or a dog that watches on um, to another dog, a way to prevent, like, to get them to release is a finger up the butthole. So uh, <laughs> I tackle Tommy. This is going through my brain. And instantly my finger goes up his butthole. Um <laughs> He does not release at this point. Well, by this time, Scotty has, like, come because she was running right after him. Um, and she is thinking the exact same thing that I was thinking. So her finger goes up his butthole. And so now we have both mine and her finger up our pitbull's butthole. <laughs> and it doesn't work. So, uh, <laughs> remove fingers. Poop just is everywhere at this point. Uh, the solution... 
the owner was super gracious. She was the best owner. Like, she was just like, I understand. I'm apologizing. Uh, the solution was to cover his nostrils. So he had to end up, like, breathing through his mouth in order to, to release. And I do that. And, like, he ends up releasing. We're both, like, I ha I'm holding him. We're both covered in um, this poop. And uh, uh, I go and I put him away. And Scotty and... Uh, uh, the owner, like, we pay for the vet bills and everything else and, like, get that situated. And she, a absolutely gracious owner, like, very understandable of what happened. So, really lucked out on that. So, definitely the worst. <laughs> the worst story. That is experience and a half. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best story, I would say, like, yesterday, it was sunny outside. It was like 50 degrees, and uh, I had my, um, I was hanging out on the patio with my, uh, with Tommy Pickles, and I could see these two, um, two uh, 12-year-old boy poodles, miniature poodles approaching with their owner, and I, he, like, wasn't reacting, because of course we, like, as soon as that incident happened, we instantly started paying for aggression courses, and, like, that was yeah. eight months ago, and we've been steadily making incredible progress and like he came like they started approaching and i had him in a sit pretty stance which is just like hind legs like his front feet aren't touching the ground and he just stood that like held that for 30 seconds while getting treated while these other two dogs passed he got a compliment they're like oh he's so great like what a lovely dog you had and i'm like yay and he wasn't reactive and he's making a few other friends that we found here in amarillo uh, which is great. So he's making progress. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you for being a good pit bull owner. Thank you so much. Oh, welcome. For, yeah, seriously. It's just so, it's so sad to see what they go through and like, and how you, and how you view it too. Because you literally just, he got bit. He had some aggression problems. It was a thing. We handled it. He's a dog. It's fine. <laughs> And you just handled it. Like, that's 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 really cool. Uh, Pipples are in a sad state, and it's people are so nasty to them. And so thank you for being part of that change. Yeah, you're that's welcome. Cool. Thanks for letting me share that story. It's probably not something that yeah. would have came up otherwise. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I got lucky on the, on the draw there. <laughs> Certainly. All right. Micah, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, thank you for uh, for having me. That was really fun. Awesome. All right. We're done recording. I do really appreciate it.